You can now subscribe and save 20% with Strava Craft Coffee, and you can get it sent to your door every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks. Get that Strava Craft Coffee sent straight to your door. Save 20% every time. Never have to re-enter your credit card information. It's a pretty awesome deal. Not have to think about when you're going to get your coffee. Just have that delicious CBD-infused Strava Craft Coffee sent straight to your door. If you want to try it once before subscribing, you can, of course, Use that code DNVR20 and get 20% off your shipment. Or come on down to the DNVR bar and get some Strava Craft Coffee cold brew. Whatever you do, make sure you check out Strava Craft Coffee and and consider subscribing. DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. One of MSU Denver's mantra is learn to lead the change. They service Denver and they're steward of the community. They believe in value without compromise, excellent education at a great price, and professors who care about you. So check out msudenver.edu slash online to scope out all they have to offer. 40 plus online and hybrid programs and 750 total classes member to check out msudenver.edu slash online my boy ryan what's up happy to talk to you my man how are you feeling i'm feeling all right you know uh as you could probably hear losing my voice a little bit a little under the weather thankfully tested not covid so no worries there but uh uh, yeah uh, fighting that you know playing through it today you know it's kind of it's kind of player i am couple injuries maybe I can miss a couple games but uh gotta get back out there when the squad needs me I mean it's almost playoff time this is like you're coming back week 15 week 16 to make that playoff push and uh you know tomorrow I think we start the wild card of the playoffs leading right into the game yeah exactly gotta gotta make it back and just in time for the playoffs um speaking of the playoffs if the Broncos have any dreams or um you know I don't, I don't know, illusions is the word I was looking for, of going to the playoffs. They probably got to get a win this weekend. And it is an important game for many reasons, Zach. Um, it's an important game for, like I said, the playoff, you know, hopes. It's an important game for not falling to last place in the division. And it's, of course, an important game for the narrative, for lack of better term, surrounding Drew Locke. Um, I've been really shocked, Zach, at how quickly people have been ready to jump off the Drew Locke, uh, for lack of a better term, bandwagon. You know, I was talking to a source the other day, and, and I told them what, else, what, what we've been talking about through this week. I said, man, Drew's really got to have a good game against Herbert or the, the fans are going to turn on him. And the person I was talking to couldn't believe what I was saying. 
they're they were just like <laughs> are you serious already like how why and uh, you know the best answer i could come up with is just that broncos fans expect excellence um broncos fans have uh, skewed expectations when it comes to the quarterback position they've been spoiled for a long time at the position and in this climate that now includes Justin Herbert, and he absolutely plays a role in this. Uh, people just don't have patience anymore. I don't think it's right, but it is the reality. Yeah, it's certain, it certainly is the reality. Of course, you mentioned the high expectations for quarterbacks in Denver, but Justin Herbert now plays a huge role in this, and Patrick Mahomes started it because he was really the first one to show that you can have instant success and then carry that over. You know, we've seen the flashes from RG3, who had instant success as a rookie, but then he wasn't able to continue that. Well, Patrick Mahomes had instant success and showed that he was that type of player his first full year of starting. Now, Justin Herbert, through his first five games, is absolutely showing that. And we've known before those two that you don't, you no longer sit quarterbacks for two years and then play them in their third year, and then they get a couple of years to develop. We're, it, it, we're so far past... Uh, you know, the, the John Elway era where he can start so poorly and then turn it around. It, quarterbacks don't get that time anymore, Ryan. And whether it's right or wrong, they don't. And so people saw Drew Locke 4-1 last year. He had a, a, a fantastic game uh, against Houston. He had some other good games. He had all the momentum going into this year. But then they see a loss to start the season. And Drew didn't blow up the stat line in that game, although we thought he played pretty solid. He, he played good in that game. Uh, you know, along with only putting up 14 points. Then he got hurt. Then he comes back, has, has six field goals, not able to get in the end zone. And then he has a, a bad game, his worst game uh, of his professional career. And it, it has gone down, downhill pretty quick. Now, you can still point to a lot of the good things from last year. You can still point to the record. But, Ryan, I have to admit that I'm at the spot where I'm not giving up on Drew. But I think it's valid to be a little worried. And I do think, Ryan, if after this week that he if he doesn't play well this week, you're right, that the floodgates are going to open. Now, will, will I be more concerned next week than I am right now? Maybe a little bit, but I'm not jumping off because I know that quarterbacks are going to have two bad games in a row. Every quarterback is going to have two bad games in a row. It would just be at the wrong time for Broncos country because I think I think so many people would be jumping off after next week. So you, you said um, you think it's fair to be a little concerned, and that is completely and utterly fair. It's just as fair to be concerned now as I thought it was fair to be really excited last season. Uh, and everyone should be concerned um, a little bit. I just, you know, you go back. What I think is happening here is everyone is waiting for him to fall off the cliff rather than looking for the positive signs. You know, the, the reason I say that is his stats against the Patriots were awful, but we were all very, we could very easily see that the process was all there. What happens though, is then he's legitimately awful against the chiefs and quickly everyone forgets about anything that they remembered about the Patriots game. And then it just instantly becomes, he's had two awful games in a row. One of them was a win on the road against the Patriots. So what I think is happening is there's just far 
too many people waiting for it to happen, waiting for the final sign that says we were wrong again. John Elway was wrong again. And because of that, Drew isn't necessarily getting a fair shake here. Zach, do you know what Drew, Drew Locke's record is in games against teams that didn't play in the AFC Championship game last year? Undefeated? Undefeated, 5-0. and Do you know what Drew Locke's game, record is in games that aren't in the snow? Close to undefeated? 5-1. and one. <laughs> So, I get it. I get why people are concerned. But I'm just shocked that instead of wanting to be optimistic, to me it feels like people are wanting to be pessimistic, and I'm just not sure why. He's, he's, he's not getting the benefit of the doubt anymore. And when you have a 4-1 and one record, Ryan, it's easy to get the benefit of the doubt. And, and Drew also played well in a lot of those games last year. Uh, but, but he got the benefit of the doubt. Now, at a 1-2 record this season, he's just not getting that benefit of the doubt anymore. And people, instead of saying, yes, we like where this young quarterback's going, they're saying, this young quarterback has shown us what he is and, you know, last week wasn't good. And so that's, that's who we think he is. So uh, it, it's so fascinating just how quickly it turned. And then Ryan, if he goes out there this week and outduels Justin Herbert and the Broncos get a win and they score more than 20 points, well, it's probably going to flip like a switch again. And people are, people are going to take Drew's lock evaluation just so week by week. And I get it. That, that, that's what happens. If this was baseball, uh, we would only have 20 hours to digest this each game and process it. We have an entire week. I get it. But you guys got to step back, take a whole look of what's going on. And that's kind of what Mason and I did earlier this week, Ryan. And I think that's where uh, on top of seeing Drew's game this past Sunday, looking at the big stats, that's kind of where I got a little worried about where Drew Locke is at. But that doesn't mean that he's done because you have to realize where he's at. He started half a season of football right now, half a season. If you're going to judge anyone at any position at just their first half a season of games, it's probably not going to be good. Or you may have some false positives as uh, Vic Fangio would say. So it's not fair. The good thing is Ryan Drew Locke did not hurt his knee when he slid. That was just his, his brace breaking. And we get 10 more games of Drew Locke. Then we'll have, what I hope, what I hope is a big enough sample. Because the honest truth is, it may not be a big enough sample. You may say after, after this season that Drew Locke is the guy, and then he turns out to actually just be an average guy. Because really, the sample size he's getting isn't huge. It's going to be, what, just under 20 games? Or he could be bad, and then, you know, the Broncos trade him to some team for a fourth-round pick because they traded for Sam Darnold. And then Drew Locke could develop into a good quarterback a, a couple of years later. So that's, that's what I hope, is that in 10 games, Ryan, we're able to say Drew Locke's the dude and he is, or Drew Locke's not the dude and he, he isn't. I know that people hate the quarterback wins stat, but you mentioned it. He has – and I think this is – there's a very clear difference here. Drew Locke has played in half a season of games. If that half a season was all in one season, the Broncos would be on pace for the playoffs right now. And on top of that, you could say quarterback wins are a sham. Okay, well, let's look at the games that Drew Locke wasn't on the field in those two seasons. And the Broncos are 4-10 and ten in those games. 4-10 and ten versus 5-3 and three is just uh, – the difference between those two things is astronomical. Yeah. It's 
I mean, it's, I can't even explain. It's the difference between a top five pick and making the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So maybe top 10. So you can't ignore that. You just can't. Uh, The team clearly plays better when Drew is on the field. He makes plays that the other quarterbacks the Broncos have had in a while do not. The offensive line performs a hell of a lot better when he's on the field. And all of those are signs of a quarterback who you want. But I want, I'm not only here to defend Drew. He has to be better. He simply has to be better. And it might take him some time to get there, but he has to at least show over the course of the next 10 games that he's closer to the Houston game in most games than he is to the Kansas City game. And that doesn't mean he has to be the Houston game in every game because that was a historic performance. But he has to be on that side of the fold a lot more than he's on the side of the the Chiefs game. And he also has to show that the Patriots game was a matter of guys not making plays for him and he can consistently make those plays because there's a lot, you know, he didn't, if he would have turned around and made all those same throws last week against the Chiefs, and they made those plays, we wouldn't be having these conversations right now. But he didn't make any of those uh, against the Chiefs, and that's why people are freaking out right now. So, again, there's nuance to this stuff. It's not just Drew's the guy or Drew's not the guy. To me, it's Drew has shown a lot of positives, a hell of a lot more positive than anything we've seen here in a while. That's for sure. But, but he has to be better, and I think that's a fair place to be. He's shown a lot of good. He showed some bad. You're allowed to be concerned about that. He now has a 10-game sample, which I'm with you. I don't even know if that's enough, but, you know, life isn't fair, uh, to show that he is closer to the good quarterback we've seen than the bad quarterback we've seen. And it starts with this week, Zach. So my question to you, and, of course, that will end up being more nuanced than just the stats, but let's talk about stats. What does Drew Locke need to do? this week to ease some of the concerns to get people back on the Drew is the savior because we know after every game he's either going to be the savior or a failure uh so how does he get back on on the savior train this week against the Chargers and and I think Ryan that's exactly it. it is what Drew needs to do to just ease people's concerns I don't think he's going to go out and throw five touchdowns no picks 400 yards and then have everyone that was doubting him say oh, he's the truth. I think what he needs to do, he just needs to take it one week at a time and get better each week. And so this week, ease people's concerns. And Ryan, it's, it starts where, with exactly what I said last week. He has to put up 20 points. He has to give the Broncos a chance to win. It's, it's not fair to expect any defense to hold, consistently hold teams under 20 points and be, and be able to win. You know, if Drew puts up 21 points, there's an argument that the defense can hold the Chargers to 20 points. That, that, that can be had. But obviously, I'm putting a very, very low baseline here because I just want to see ease, my, my ease or my concerns eased right now. I'm not saying what, what do I think makes him a Hall of Fame quarterback. So 20 points. He has to have more touchdowns than interceptions. So, Drew, if you want to go throw two picks, please don't do that, though. Put up three touchdowns. I'm more thinking a two-to-one. Uh, touchdowns and one interception or one to zero. If he goes out there and manages the game and puts up 20 points and and looks solid in doing that, makes no mistakes, 
you know what, that's a positive from, from, from last week. And I also need to see a completion percentage that's better than 60%. And you know what, that's probably going to include a drop or two. So Drew, you got to be able to overcome those and still have over 60%. I don't think any of those things are crazy to ask for. Some people may be saying, well, that's way too low of a bar. Well, yeah, j just get better each week. And heck, if he builds on this each week with, with a step or two back here and there throughout the next 10 weeks, we're going to feel pretty good about who he is in 10 weeks. So I think, I think those are fair expectations. Um, for me, it's a little more simple. There's two paths for Drew. One path is the Broncos win the game. And Drew is a part of the solution rather than the problem. So this could be anything, Zach. This could be the Broncos win the game 10-7. Uh, <laughs> Drew has no interceptions, but he throws a game-winning touchdown in the final moments, uh, and the Broncos win. I think then people are going to be feeling, you know, they'll, they'll get that rush that you get from seeing your team win. People will feel good about him. They'll say, when it came, push came to shove, he made more plays than Justin Herbert. Or the Broncos could lose the game, and Drew Locke has better stats than Justin Herbert. Now, this one is going to be difficult. Uh, at least it sure seems like it, because Herbert has been a stat machine. Uh, but the one thing he hasn't been doing is winning. So it seems more likely that Drew could beat Justin Herbert with worse stats than lose to Justin Herbert with better stats just based on what we know about the two quarterbacks. But I think that if the Broncos lost the game, let's say uh, 28 to 27, uh, and Drew had 340 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and Herbert had, you know, uh, one touchdown, one interception, 280 yards or something like that, then people would at least be saying, okay, well, at least Drew had one of those games that we've been looking for. Um, they'll, he won't completely silence the haters in that situation. Uh, but I think those two paths would at least calm people down a little bit. And then, of course, you know, outduel Herbert and win. Well, now we're back to, like, Put him in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> All right, Ryan. I, I think uh, your, your second path where Drew balls out, I mean, people would be calling that a Justin Herbert game. In the past three games, Justin Herbert has thrown 10 touchdowns to only one interception. He's had three touchdowns, no picks, four touchdowns, no picks, three touchdowns, one pick in his past three games. So if Drew does that, people love Justin Herbert. It would not be fair to look at Drew with those numbers. And Herbert lost two out of three of those games. So it wouldn't be fair to look at Drew uh, and be, be, be fair and completely fair and say, ah, that wasn't good enough because he didn't get the win. Ryan, I think people would be freaking out in your first situation if Drew goes up there. And, and, and let's say it's not as, as drastic as you say. Let's say it's 16-14, the, the way the Tennessee Titans beat the Broncos. I think people will say I, – I think pro people will probably be where they are right now. The people that are concerned about him will say, well, I'm still concerned. He only put up, what would that be, nine points in the first three and a half quarters. Yeah, anyone can get a touchdown in, you know, final two minutes, which isn't true. But I could see that argument being made. Uh, and people that are confident in him will say, he's got it. He's got the swag. He's got the confidence, which you know about. And he's cold-blooded, man. Drew's the dude. Yeah, you're right. I mean, 
there would still be a lot of conversation to have. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I think that in the end, what people want is to see their team win. And when the quarterback delivers a win, people usually are happy about it. Well, that's fair. And also, Ryan, what it would do in, in the big picture of this season is it would give the Broncos a 3-4 and four record going into who is now the 1-6 Atlanta Falcons. A very, very good opportunity for the Broncos to go 4-4. Four and four. And then once they're 4-4, four and four, you know, absolutely the playoffs are in consideration. So if people think of it that way, then, yeah, a, a win would be huge for Drew. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, – it's, this game is huge, Zach. Uh, you know, there's part of me that's really excited for it. There's part of me that's really nervous for it because uh, if, if Drew has a bad game and the Broncos lose, uh, this, this fan base is going to just be beside themselves. <laughs> they will. Oh, man. It, it, it's going – this game is huge, Ryan, for so many reasons. It really is huge because, Ryan, I said if they win – Three and four, good chance to go and be four and four in the playoffs. If they lose, bottom of the AFC West. Now you're two and five. Why, why would you say that the Broncos would have a better shot of beating the one and six Falcons on the road? You know, that, that's an argument someone will make. Well, then they're going to lose to a one and six team. Then the only teams that they beat are, you know, two teams that have a combined two and seven record right now. So it's just crazy how much swings on this game. The last thing I want to talk about with Drew is, have you seen these, all these stats coming out about Drew on play action, Drew under center versus Drew out of the shotgun and Drew not on play action? It's, Ryan, it's insane. Drew wants to move. He wants to be on the run. In fact, he's telling you that with his play, Ryan. He, he runs around when his first option isn't there because he's not comfortable sitting there. So why aren't you getting him on the move every single play? That's what I would do. It just, unfortunately, reminds me of Case Keenum. That's what he was so yep. good at when he was with Minnesota. That's what he wanted to do. And the Broncos just didn't do it. Why would you not help Drew out and say, you want to run? Actually, there's this thing where we can actually make you run on every single play. Uh, you know what? It sucks because I said it. And the Broncos fired Rich Scangarello and T.C. McCartney. And I just said, you're really rolling the dice here. Everything was moving in the right direction. Why would you risk going the other way? They had such a great rapport. He was playing well in that offense, even though a lot of people thought that he was a quarterback who would play better out of shotgun, you know, because that's what he did most of his college career. He's playing really well in that offense. And then, you know, you fired Rich Gangarello, and it was just like, man, that – that that's risky and I like the hire of Pat Shermer and I understand the hire of Pat Shermer and Pat Shermer has done a lot of great things for quarterbacks but I just think you're seeing some of that risk now rear its ugly head and I don't know how many times we've had this damn conversation over the years Zach but Pat Shermer needs to recognize these stats and play to Drew's strengths Stop trying to force him into your system and play to what he's doing well. Get under center. Keep Jeremy Cox active. Use him as a fullback. Run the ball with Philip Lindsay. Get Drew Locke on play action. Get him under center. It's, uh, it's mind-boggling how much different the stats are 
when Drew is under center versus when Drew is out of shotgun and when Drew is coming off play action is when he's the best. Yeah, exactly. And what it's something we've just banged our head against a brick wall until it bleeds these past couple of years, Ryan, of why would you not play to the strengths, especially your quarterback, what he likes to do, especially a quarterback that is young, that is still developing. Does it mean that you have to do this his entire career? No, but don't you want to help him out a little bit? I would think so. And to me, it just, it it feels like the Broncos are almost treating Drew in like a sink or swim situation. They're just like, hey, man, this is what, we're going to do what we're going to do. Like, go see, go prove that you can survive in this situation, which, if that's the case, it's just, it blows my mind because that's the opposite of what you should be doing. You should be saying, hey, man, we want to make everything as easy for you as possible so you can go out there and win us football games. Okay, I, I have to run this by you. I was on the, the, the Brandon Pernas pod yesterday and ran it by them, and I got a text from one of my best friends a couple of days ago and he was came in two parts and he said the first one blew my mind and I said what are you saying then the second one I said hmm Ryan the first text said Albert O should be inactive again this week I said what he's been Drew's favorite target and he said all he's doing is locking on to him and it's not allowing him to to go to other targets he said it's crazy that Jerry Judy has five targets and Albert O has seven targets. It's crazy that he leads the, the team in targets. He, and he's just finding his safety blanket and going nowhere else. And I thought, man, that is an interesting point. So it kind of comes down to what you were just talking about. Do you give Drew that baby blanket in Albert O, the thing that makes him feel comfortable, that safety outlet? Or do you rip it away from him in, in, in hopes of trying to get him to go to his third and fourth read and hit the targets that was your first round pick uh, and, and things like that? Now, I have a feeling I know where you're going with this from what you just said. Yeah, that's asinine to me. <laughs> um, the point is to make it easy on the quarterback, not harder. Now, I could see in practice saying, like, Drew, you're not allowed to throw to Alberto. Uh, Alberto Cuebuno. Uh but I don't I just it's seven targets, seven catches, 70 something yards uh for Alberto Cuebuno last week. Like that's incredible. It's also about getting him up to speed and getting him into the NFL flow of things. You want him to be a star. You want him and it's not like if it was like 14 targets, eight catches, then I would say like dude, you got to chill. Uh, on throwing the ball to 85 but it was really successful it's maybe the only thing that they were successful at last week and I don't think that's just because Drew was locking on to him every play uh, but it's not it shouldn't be throwing Drew in the deep end and seeing if he sinks or swims it should be teaching him how to swim in the shallow end so he can later swim in the deep end but what if he just says, I'm staying in the shallow end. I'm just going to Alberto because that's what he's done the, the past two games. Uh, and, and Ryan, you, you're right. At the end, you don't make Alberto inactive to hurt Drew. You, you don't do that. But my suggestion was maybe Alberto is your third read on a lot of plays, which he probably should be when you have Noah Fant, when you have Jerry Judy. Alberto, I, I love what he is, but you know what? Noah Fant, 
more talented, better football player right now. Jerry Judy, probably same thing, uh, more than Albert O right now. So why isn't Albert O your third guy? And then that'll help him go through his progressions too. Now, we don't really know uh, if Albert O has been the first uh, target there or if he's been the third target. But Ryan, what this falls back to is, this falls back to Pat Shermer. And, and Pat, you, you got to do something here to help Drew by not taking Albert O off the field, but also by making it so he does look at all of his reads. And hey, if he loves Albert O, dangle that treat uh, of Albert O being the third option uh, on, on some plays, and then Drew has to go through him in order to find him. I like that. I like that. Um, and honestly, to me, I don't care if Drew Locke throws the ball 40 times to Albert Okoyevanom this week, as long as, it, as the ball moves and they score touchdowns. So Drew ends up with three touchdowns, one pick, 303 yards, and Albert O has 290 yards, three touchdowns. Yeah. Um, so in I play in another Madden league other than the one we currently have. And uh, I in that one, it's not 32 users. So sometimes you play against the um, – against the computer in my last game I was playing against the computer and I just I guess I just found like a a massive hole in their coverage that they just couldn't fix and so I would just call I would just I just kept sending Travis Kelsey on seam routes and because it was just it's like a random team so I have Deshaun Watson as my quarterback and Travis Kelsey as my uh, tight end and like they just couldn't cover it and so I like you know how you can like aim which way you're throwing the pass yep so like I would send him on a seam, he would beat the first guy, and then whatever way the whatever way the safety was shaded, I would just like aim it the other way, <laughs> and they just could, and I ended up with like three hundred receiving yards with, with Travis. <laughs> like if that's what happens with with uh, with Ocho Cinco this weekend, I'm cool with it. I don't think uh, anyone will be complaining if it tops that twenty point mark. Yeah, I think I scored like sixty in that game. So, which if your tight end is putting up almost three hundred yards and you don't score twenty points, you have some massive, massive issues. Dude, I saw I saw um, yesterday someone was talking about the record for target. So I think uh, Tyler Lockett had twenty-one targets last week or something. Wow! And uh, it was the I think it, someone said it was the most since Brandon Marshall had yeah. twenty-eight. 28 <laughs> targets in a game I, everyone remembers the game uh with Kyle Orton like he just wouldn't look any other way but no one cared because I think he ended up with 18 receptions or something like that it was a record yeah uh, I, I, I didn't realize it was 28 targets I, I knew the receptions were a ton like you know what if, if he's open throw him the rock that's what wow. I was <laughs> Albert O you may be a lucky guy this week what the other thing that that I'll touch on one last thing here is that the three wide receiver sets just aren't working. I know that's what Pat Shermer prides himself upon, but it's not just Drew Locke's fault that those, those aren't working. They're just not working. So two tight ends and a running back get both Albert Okawebunam and Noah Fant on the field and, uh, and go to work. Like that's, what's working. Why would you not, especially when you don't have Cortland Sutton. So you can have Tim Patrick out there. You can have Jerry Judy out there. Get Noah, get Albert, get Phil, hopefully, if he's healthy. Or if you must, get Melvin Gordon behind the quarterback. Go to work. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Get your playmakers on the field, but do it in creative ways because, like you said, and, and like Jeff Legwald keeps harping on, three wide is not working for the Broncos. 
Speaking of doing things in creative ways, I think I mentioned this earlier this week, but uh, we got creative with the Breck Brews last week on the tailgate. We tried out all uh, a bunch of different combinations, uh, of course, in, uh, in honor of the RK special. And I have to say, Henry came through uh, with what he called the Hank special. I know, very creative name. Um, and he went with Vanilla Porter, Strawberry Sky, and it had this like strawberries and cream kind of feel to it. It was fantastic. Uh, but it just proved like, you know, have a Breck brew on its own, mix it with another one, mix it with three, four, five, six, seven. We did, we actually had one that was a mix of eight and it was still good. There's no way to miss with Breck brews. They're all just so delicious. So whether it's Avalanche, Colorado core, which, you know, it's good Colorado core weather out there right now, Hop Peak, Strawberry Sky, Vanilla Porter Jr., all of them, they're all delicious no matter how you mix them or if you just have them on their own. So check out some Breck brews today. Also, make sure to check out Chevalier Mortgage. Call Virginia directly at 303-257-6578 or visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. Mike and Virginia Chevalier are not only diehard Broncos fans, but they've been supporters of DNVR and members of our family for a long time. They're a husband and wife team with over 15 years of financial services experiences. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do so. And most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options and they can help you refinance. And if you think the rates are as good as you're hearing, well, give them a call because they have some incredible rates right now. They are there to make the refinance process simple and easy for you. They could save you hundreds a month and thousands of dollars of interest over the life of a loan. They can help people find out if they're already uh, able to reduce or eliminate their current mortgage insurance programs. And maybe you want to access the equity in your house to do a large project, go back to school, maybe MSU Denver, or consolidate student loans. They can help you with that as well. So make sure to check them out at dnvrmortgage.com for a chance to win, enter to win free D DNVR shirt or hat, and most importantly, get set up with that free consultation. So check them out, dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS 1910631. All right, Zach, let's get into the questions from the listeners. First one comes in from VR, though. Since we're comparing DNVR podcasters to actors, I thought I'd give it a shot. Andre's voice sounds exactly like the character who plays Rafi in one of my favorite shows, The League. I always notice when I listen to his and Henry's podcast. I'm trying to, I can't remember. I watched The League, of course. But uh, I can't remember what this voice sounds like. I'm looking him up right now, but I could see how someone would see his voice and say, Rafi, okay, yeah, Andre does not look like Rafi at all. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny when you guys uh, hit but us no, with he, these. He said his voice Oh, his sounds voice like, yeah. sounds like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm sure it does. From Rocky21, seeing Drew throw that pick six made me want to follow in the footsteps of Chip the Buffalo firing a t-shirt into my nether regions. <laughs> However, I realized that's not exactly what happened, by the way. The, the, the gun broke and shot backwards. <laughs> um, however, I realized that Drew's growing pains are necessary as long as, he can pr uh, as long as he can improve. PFF would lead one to believe that our growing pains at left tackle may finally be over. My question is, has Garrett Bowles done enough to deserve a second contract in the orange and blue? If he has not done enough, what more would you like to see from him to deserve the contract? Well, Zach, I don't. I think it's too late uh, to save money on Garrett Bowles by giving him a contract right now. He's the number one rated left tackle in the NFL. <laughs> like, like, how absurd is that? 
Um, but before the season, one of my one of my old buddies from high school, who I hadn't talked to in years, randomly DM'd me on Instagram, and he said, uh, "Hey, this was this had to have been like a drunken night." He said, "Hey, I just made a bet with Robbie and RG that Garrett Bowles is going to be a Pro Bowler this year. What do you think of my bet?" <laughs> or no, uh, no, sorry, not a Pro Bowler, an All Pro. Oh, and I was wow. like. I responded. I actually wasn't hating on Garrett at all. I said, well, he was a hell of a lot better with Drew Locke on the field. But I hope you got some really good odds on that bet. Did he? And uh, and he never responded about the odds. But then yesterday, he just sent me a screenshot of the PFF rankings. And I was just like, man, he's like, I had a premonition about this, man. It's all, (laughs) all coming true, which... I hope he wins the bet because that is incredible. But he definitely should have gotten like, I don't know, Zach, like 100 to 1 odds. Oh, yeah. He should be cashing in right now big time. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, off after that tangent, uh, it's too late now to try and get a discount on Garrett Bowles. You're, you'll have to pay the full amount yep. uh, of whatever a you know star left tackle is going to get. So, what I want to see is him just continue to do it for the rest of the season. I don't think the price really necessarily goes up between now and the end of the season. Although if he does become an all pro at a pro bowler, that's probably worth a couple million more a year. Um, it's uh, it's unfortunate. You know, this is what I mean. The Broncos are always late to the party and, and no one can necessarily blame them for not wanting to pick up the fifth year option on Garrett Bowles, not wanting to re-sign him early, but it is their jobs um, to predict these type of things. And the Broncos have been, absolutely terrible at predicting these type of things so um you know another example would be like if drew lock plays well enough for the rest of this season that you think he's your quarterback of the future you might as well sign him up right now when you know he's his stats aren't going to be very good regardless of what happens in these last 10 games uh and you could save a lot of money now of course, there's the other side of that, which is, whoa, 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 it's only 16 games. You know, we don't have enough sample size yet, which I understand that too. But then if Drew, Drew Locke goes out and is a pro bowler next year, now you're paying the full price for a franchise quarterback. So sometimes you have to be willing to make predictions as a general manager. And when you're late on the predictions and you don't make the predictions, you're going to lose out on a lot of money. And if you make the predictions and are wrong, you're also going to lose a lot of money. That's why you get paid all this money to do the job in the first place. And because the Broncos are behind the eight ball with Garrett Bowles already, that's why I'm franchise tagging him after this year mm-hmm. uh, and saying, you know what, Garrett, if you go do this for two years in a row, then you will deserve whatever type of money that we have to pay you after this. And yeah, the franchise tag is going to cost you a lot, but we didn't just spend four years developing you to let you walk right now. So uh, that's, that's what I'm doing. It takes a little bit of risk off. It's expensive, but you know what, Ryan, you're already behind the eight ball with the price anyways. Yeah, Zach, I, I, I kind of hate this for Garrett, although he's going to end up still making like $40 million on this franchise tag you might franchise tag him this year and then do it again next year. <laughs> and at that time, he, he'll be 33 the season after that. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, unless you think, unless you can get a discount on a three-year deal right now. And I, what I mean is, uh, as, as a discount is two, $3 million less than what you'd pay for the franchise tag. Then maybe you do that. But again, you're gambling um that you know know, mace loves to talk about is he going to regress when fans are back on in the stadium i don't think so fans to their credit 
because I, I, you know, I give the fans grief a lot. Fans were, were very willing to turn around on Garrett Bowles. Um, I, I see almost nothing but positivity around Garrett Bowles, which is pretty awesome because he's probably the worst I've ever seen other than Paxton Lynch in terms of the fans and media being hard on him. Everyone was ready to, uh, to change their mind on Garrett Bowles, and I think that's just because he's generally been a pretty good dude. Yep, exactly. Next one from Ooh Benny Lava. Hey, brothers, I've got a twofer for you guys. One, I'm going to preface this by saying I'm 100% on the hashtag stick with Vic train. I really want to see his vision of the defense come together over the next couple of years. However, if the team continues to struggle, his seat might get a little hot. Is there any scenario in which he gets relieved of his head coaching duties but stays on as a defensive coordinator? No. Nope. Has this ever happened before? Doubt it. Like maybe we get an offensive-minded head coach, maybe Eric Bieniemy, that just lets Vic do his thing on defense. He'd be an interesting pair, in my opinion. Yeah, dream on. That wouldn't happen. <laughs> That's why the Broncos had to make him their head coach if they wanted him as defensive coordinator. I'm gonna file this one next to make Peyton Manning the offensive coordinator. <laughs> Two inspired by today's today's trade deadline chats. The Jets call Elway offering Darnold to the boss. Realistically, let's say they are looking for two second rounders or a player for player swap with Justin Simmons. Are these fair offers? Does Elway do it? What would you do? I'll let you guys wait until after Sunday's game if you really want. Sorry for the longest one. Love y'all and let's rocket ourselves out of this zany curse we find ourselves in as Broncos fans with whack takes. Relax. What? Here's a, I'm not against this idea for what it's worth. Um, as much as I like Drew, you, you know, you need as many throws at the, at the little balloons, you know, you know, at the, the carnival where you get to throw the darts at the balloons. You take as many darts as you can get trying to pop a balloon if you want that big stuffed animal. Um, so, I like the idea of having Sam Darnold in the fold. What I don't like about trading for him at the deadline is how are you supposed to handle the rest of the season? Yeah, it's real tough. Because <laughs> then, then can you really develop Drew then? I don't know. I mean, no, probably not. I, what I think is a real possibility, Zach, is if Drew Locke doesn't remove all doubt between now and the end of the season, I could see a trade for Sam Darnold in the offseason. Yeah, uh, and at that point, I don't know exactly how it works. What I would hope for is a fair competition between the two guys. Um, and that would probably come down to how much the Broncos would have to trade for, for Sam Darnold. Uh, as we've seen in the past, if you're that ready to move on from a guy after, what, two years? Yeah. Um, or is it three? Would this be, is this his third year in the league? Yeah, it is actually. Um, so if you're that ready to move on from a guy, his value is low. Yep. Um, now, Trevor Lawrence makes things a little awkward because it's like, yeah, we're definitely we're – re anyone's ready to move on from their quarterback if they have Trevor Lawrence except for like maybe seven teams in the NFL, and that might even be high. Um, so that changes a little bit. But I think the, the offer would be a second rounder or lower. Yeah, I think so, too. I, th I think a second rounder would do it. So now you've given up a second rounder for Drew, and you've given up a second rounder for Darnold. I could see a scenario where now it's a fair competition going into the season. Um, but I know you're a big proponent, Zach, of like, if you've got a guy, you've got to commit to your guy. Yeah. Uh, and I don't I think if you're trading for Sam Darnold, you're kind of telling us that Drew's not your guy. So I don't know if Drew gets a fair shake. I don't know if Drew gets traded. I don't know what happens there. 
Yeah, you're not trading for Sam Darnold if Drew establishes himself as the truth. So Sam would certainly are, be the front runner. Are you are you doing it if Drew ends up somewhere in the middle? Gosh, that's just the worst place to be. Well, I mean, what 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 middle is he? Is he good middle? Is he bad middle? Broncos go eight and eight. Um, most of his games are somewhere between the basically there's a lot of games like the Patriots game where the process is there. The results are there in the win column. Like when he wins, they're there, but the stats aren't mind blowing. Um, And then the losses are kind of like the Titans game. Oh gosh. So bad. (laughs) Um, I don't think you're making the trade. I think you're sticking with Drew, especially because you're so far out of draft place. So I actually think they still make the trade and uh, we get the juiciest uh, quarterback competition we've had in a while. That would be very juicy. Remember when we had the conversation about um, drafting Justin Herbert and what that quarterback competition was? Oh man, I'm curious what that would have looked like. Well, we get, we get a nice up close look at what that competition would have looked like this week. Yep. Can't wait. Next one from Count Locula. Gents, I hand you the key to a decrepit franchise your task is to rebuild it you have three years you'll take the team in the current state contracts quarterback age stadium situations etc your goal is to win a division title possibly more remember you would still work for the team's owner would you rather have the lions the football team the falcons the texans the jags choose wisely easiest decision ever give me the texans oh really yep Mm, because of deshaun yep easy that's that's all i need which team here has the best chance to get Trevor Lawrence? He didn't put the Jets in, so maybe that's why he's uh, choosing not to. The Falcons, they have the worst record. Then give me the Falcons. But the Falcons aren't going to get him because they already have one too many wins. And they get, uh, they get Justin Fields instead? Yeah. Give me that. Give me that. The yep. Falcons is a pretty good one. Uh, that's my second ranked place. Because they already have a really good receiving group. Um, they have, you know, they have decent pieces. I just, I think that the Texans are screwing up, to, like, what they have with Sean Watson so badly. They Sean are. should be right in the conversation with Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. All those quarterbacks have something in common, by the way. Um, take note. Um, <laughs> and as the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. And, you know, of course, Justin Herbert might enter himself into that conversation very soon if he's not already there. Um, And there's other guys in the conversation as well. But uh, you have that. Like, how are you screwing this up? Protect the man and give him weapons. What they're doing is they're not protecting him and they're taking away his weapons. They might trade Will Fuller. What are we doing here? (laughs) It is crazy how much they're trying to mess him up. Even without uh, Bill. Yeah, and, and speaking of messing young quarterbacks up, my worry with Sam Darnold is that the Jets have already screwed him up. It could very well be the case. Yep, and it could be too late. I guarantee you that if the Broncos make that trade, John Elway gets to use his uh, famous phrase, football rehab. <laughs> yep, they certainly would. Windy City Bronco chiming in. I feel like all my comments this season are trying to decide if – 
to decide if we're playing more for this season or for the future of the Broncos. Today, it's about Drew Locke. Yes, if we want to see more success in the passing game this season, it makes sense to simplify the passing scheme. If he can only make two reads, then set him up so he has to only make two reads. However, if we're trying to figure out what he's capable of, are we better off keeping the whole playbook open? I get the concern with the young quarterback is that they get out onto the field, struggle, and then implode. For Locke, though, everything I hear is that he's a supremely confident player. So maybe it's better that we let him struggle a little bit so that he's better down the line. You know, Zach, the more I think about the idea that if they're not confident in Drew, they trade for Sam Darnold, the more I understand the idea of throwing him into the deep end. Now, I don't agree with it, but that could be the the idea, which is just like, let's just see if he what he can do if we just open up the entire playbook and just tell him to figure it out. Right. And it might be ugly for a few weeks, but what if he actually does figure it out? Um, then we'll know for sure. Then that would be the ultimate this season is 100% for Drew that we've seen from the organization. Yeah, for sure. And, 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 and I would understand it. It wouldn't give you the best chance of winning right now, but hey, this season is all about Drew, so I would get it. All right, Nashville Joey says, Mace, I love your coverage and your uh, unbiased fair opinions of the Broncos. But I have to say, a week of yeah, but at the same time, followed by a Drew Lockstat on an already pessimistic uh, fan, has been tough to take this week. Can we start a segment called Optimistic Opinions? Well, all you needed was a little RK in, in the first segment. And, <laughs> and that there was we segment. go. <laughs> that was your segment called Optimistic Opinions. <laughs> Next one from Casper. Hey, fellas. I wanted to get your opinion on my feelings about Vaughn Miller's future. I feel like John Elway would be willing to keep Vaughn on the team until he retires based on the fact that he will be tied to Elway's legacy as a Broncos general manager. He was John's first and best draft pick. Therefore, he would want to give Vaughn a chance to play his entire career for only one team the same way John did. I know there are issues with salary cap next year that could get in the way, but is this something that is in Elway's mind when it comes to how he will be remembered as John Elway, the GM? Um, probably not. I don't think John Elway cares about it in terms of how he's viewed, but I do think he's going to give every benefit of the doubt to Vaughn. I mean, that, that's just what we've seen. Uh, he already had his mind made up this offseason, the, the day the season ended, that they were keeping Vaughn for this coming year, even though he had an option in his contract where the Broncos could have gotten out of it. He really likes Vaughn, and understandably so. He's a Hall of Fame player. But I don't think he cares so much in terms of John's own legacy. Yeah. I think that John would like that, but he's also not going to pay Von Miller. What is it? 25 million next year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's going to have to be a, I'll scratch your back. You scratch mine type of thing. <laughs> exactly. We'll see. Hopefully it doesn't become as contentious as last <laughs> time. We don't need instigate part two. <laughs> uh, before we move on, a shout out to WGT golf, the most popular golf game in the world and the official gaming partner of DNVR. Go to dnvrgolf.com. Download the app from there, and when you get in there, go into the Country Club section and type in DNVR number three, all caps, no spaces, and join the DNVR three Country Club, which is the same as DNVR two and DNVR one. We always have all sorts of fun tournaments in there. Uh, you can join us. And coming soon, we're going to have a tournament that all you have to do is participate in to be eligible for a sick prize. So you might as well join now. Uh, and start getting acclimated with the game. It's a really, really good time, and you might end up winning a pretty sick prize. So dnvrgolf.com to check, check out WGT. If you want to get a sick prize, check out Green Mountain Dental Group in Lakewood. Schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and examine not only 
Will your teeth be pearly white? But you'll get the sick Sonicare toothbrush. And don't worry, it's not sick. It's free, though. A free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam at Green Mountain Dental Group in Lakewood. They're a family-owned dentist, and you can tell it the way they treat you. They treat you just like your own family. Our director of sales, Lindsay, went and got a procedure done at Green Mountain Dental, and the dentist called her just a couple days later to follow up with her personally. I mean, that is just the best service out there. So that along with the fact that you can talk Colorado sports with them and that you can get a free Sonicare toothbrush if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, that's the best place to go. So check them out. Green Mountain Dental Group in Lakewood. Thick Fangio says, just a reminder, we can still go five and one in the division. And Zach, while the fifth one might be difficult, Drew Locke is undefeated in his career against division foes not named the Chiefs. Hey, how about that? Yes, I mean, they could go four and two still. Yeah, exactly. From Kyan Ronigsberg, after talking about the old Nebraska-Colorado rivalry yesterday, RIP, bring it back. What would be your top choice for a non-divisional protected rivalry in the NFL each year? Could be Broncos, could be anyone like Mahomes versus Watson, Casey versus Houston. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. First just, of all, you guys, Ryan, you guys talked to Nebraska, Colorado without me? Yeah, we of course we did. And it's because Kyan Roningsberg wants to bring it back on this pod. He uh, is representing the Nebraska side, though. Oh, nice. Good game last week. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, uh, if I could bring back a non-divisional protected rivalry in the NFL each year, I guess it has to be Mahomes and something, right? I don't know. I would just want like Broncos Seahawks. What? I mean, I know that's what Mace would like, but of, of anything, you want like, to play Russ? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> although the last time the Broncos played Russ, Case Keenum outdueled him. That's true. Um, I want, I don't know, Broncos Cardinals. It's a nice little <laughs> regional rivalry. Yep. No, maybe. I'll stick with the Cardinals. Maybe Cardinals. Oh, uh, do you go Seahawks, KC, Russ, and Mahomes? That's definitely a good one. Um, it's so weird that Russ is – it feels like Russ is just entering everyone's, like, spectrum of, like, how great he is. Right. They're like, oh, Mahomes and Russ. And, like, the. it's like they're talking about the young quarterbacks. And it's like, no – Russ has been doing this every year for years. <laughs> yeah. He's already he, been to two Super Bowls. Yeah, a 10-year vet pretty much. <laughs> yeah, he should have two rings. Yeah. He's really already should. a Hall of Famer. Yeah, he is. He is, without a doubt. Mahomes basically is too, but he just has to play a little <laughs> Speaking of Hall of Famers at quarterback, Manning's forehead chimes in. If we were to trade for Matt Ryan or Stafford, do we keep Locke and try to do what the Broncos said they do for Paxton Lynch and let him go back to the bench to develop? I feel bad for Drew. It seems he clearly wasn't ready to go in early in his career, but how much damage would it cause if he got benched for a year or two? I really don't want to give up on him. I really don't think Drew went in too early. I think he went in too late. Um, but. <laughs> It, you know, he's just got, you guys can develop on the field. It's the only place where they can really develop. By the way, I'm not okay with this like grouping of Matt Ryan and Matt Stafford. Because <laughs> I'm super okay with Matt Stafford and super not okay with Matt Ryan. <laughs> not, not okay with Matt? No. Like, I, I get that they're both named Matt, but that's like the only thing that they have in common. 
I think I think Matt Ryan would be like a vanilla bean ice cream. You know, it it's it's pretty pretty solid, and that that's what it is. You know, it's good when you get a, a little taste that has a lot of vanilla beans in it. But I mean, we're not talking bubble gum or cotton candy. It doesn't pack a punch like that or anything. So you know, very very far from the best, but it's good. It's good. It's solid. The last time the Broncos brought in a, a quarterback uh, who has been to a Super Bowl. Uh, and cannot move in the pocket, what happened? He was benched for Drew Locke. Well, no, I guess he got hurt because he couldn't get out of the pocket. Yeah, he was conveniently hurt for (laughs) Drew Locke. Um, Also, to me, there's a huge – and I think actually Joe Flacco is the same age as uh, Matt Ryan is right now, 35. Is that how old Flacco was last year? Yeah. So that's all – like – when I talk to people about why, inside the building why the, the offense failed under Flacco, they just said, like, he just he couldn't move. And our offensive line wasn't good enough to, to protect him. Um, there's a big difference, in my opinion, between Matt Stafford at 35 and – or at 32 and Matt Ryan at 35. That's Stafford, Stafford still has very many – at least five good quarterback years left in him. I don't know if Matt Ryan has any. They're one and six right now. Unfortunately, Ryan, I think because of what you're saying, the Lions aren't going to be willing to move on from Matt Stafford. They're three and three right now. They're buyers at the trade deadline. So they're too far out of already of any top quarterback conversation. And the way they're trending, they're going to be way too far out. And they're going to say, we like Matt, Matt, Matt Stafford. He's going to be our future. I, I would agree with them in that assessment. Yeah. Uh, I would not agree with the Broncos bringing in Matt Ryan. Even though they have Garrett Bowles, PFF's number one tackle. And, well, speaking of Garrett Bowles, he's chiming in right now. Next comment coming in from Garrett Bowles. I'm tired of Broncos country calling Melvin Gordon trash. I know that he has made some very bad and and rage-inducing plays, but call him the worst running back in the NFL and calling to cut him is ludicrous. All that still doesn't change the fact that He's our second, he has our second most points per game behind Brandon McManus, obviously. Our second most touchdowns, 34.2% of the Broncos' total yards and team touchdowns on the team, which is third in the league. Third in the league in breakaway runs despite missing a game, being one of the best pass-protecting backs in the league. So basically, without him, our offense is even more trash than what Broncos fans perceive Gordon to be. I understand, I understand fans are exaggerating, but still... Hey, uh, great points all around. Um, I just think, you know, like I said earlier in the week, he's like playing all the hits when it comes to falling out of favor with a fan base. Uh, it's not all his fault that he's doing that, but uh, it's just he's not he's not doing the right things. And Zach, he did not do himself any favors at all when he said uh, when he said that the comment about how many times a year do you run the flea flicker. Well, hopefully zero, uh, zero more times when you're on the field because you can't throw an easy pitchback pass. Why wouldn't he just say like, "Yeah, man, that one was on me. Uh, I, I, I don't know what happened. I just threw it too high." Yeah, yeah, it's it's a good question. He he didn't help himself there. That's for sure. Dan Burke, hey guys, couple of things. One, can we talk about how good Bryce Callahan is? I feel like not enough people are talking about him. Well, Dan, I completely agree with you. He's so good. And in you only talk about a cornerback unless they're bad, getting beat all the time, or they're making play after play. And Bryce Callahan has 
been way closer to the guy that's making play after play. He just hasn't been getting the interceptions, so we haven't been talking about him, but he's, he's been extraordinary this year. I agree with you, Dan. And two, I know Sam Darnold will be a popular topic if Drew continues to struggle, but I think the only way the Broncos should think about acquiring him is if they're undecided about Drew at the end of the season and want someone to push him in 2021. Kind of like how the Titans were when they traded for Tannehill, but still considered Mariota to be the starter. Ironically, Darnold will be another post-Adam Gase reclaimment project like Tannehill was, so there are quite a few parallels to that situation. Well, Dan, I think you'll love what we've talked about so far. Wow, I really like the uh, Tannehill comparison for Sam Darnold because I was thinking yesterday, like, man, how many guys are considered busts and then come back uh, and end up being really good quarterbacks? Uh, and I was having a hard time finding many, if any. Um, and Tannehill is a perfect example. And the fact that you can point to the same trash coach messing him up uh, <laughs> is an added bonus. Yeah, I, and I'm also going to throw, doing some projecting, I'm going to throw Trevor Simeon into that mix as well. He's going to come back and just dazzle someday. I don't, I don't think Trevor Simeon was ever considered a bust. <laughs> Bangkok Bronco. Hey, gents, a two-parter for me today. Firstly, in yesterday's pod, May said, if we see it, the coaches see it, regarding mistakes that Drew is making. While I agree to this, it doesn't always ring true. See Elijah Wilkinson. That's right. Secondly, in the return of your favorite weekly segment, scenario-specific songs, the pain of watching the Chiefs beat us made me search for a distraction last Sunday, and that's the inspiration behind the theme this week. Let's say you're in a similarly painful situation, such as getting a tattoo. It's hurting beyond heck, so you slip on your headphones and find a song that will unequivocally distract you from everything else going on at that time and fully immerse you in the music. What song is that? That will be out. I, I have no clue. <laughs> uh, I will say if I was getting a tattoo and I was like in pain, I think I would want some like hardcore stuff, like yeah. like maybe some Rage Against the Machine or like just something that's like kind of hardcore, so that I embrace the pain. You know, like the like the music is like inspiring me to feel the pain and be okay with it. You don't want to be distracted by it. You want it to just take over your body. Right, like you. Want gritting your teeth like yeah pain is good <laughs> so uh man you went pretty hardcore there maybe some uh acdc little thunderstruck yeah that could work i was actually thinking of acdc but then i realized like it's not metal enough right and that that's about as hardcore as i get so that yeah. that's where i'm drawing the line <laughs> 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 next one here coming in from love thunder down under i've had a giggle on a few occasions uh, about the urgency that fans apply to sports around success and how teams perform you'd think by the way people act there are a finite number of years the broncos will exist or there's a limited supply of people who want to be paid millions of dollars to hurl themselves at one another sure we all want to enjoy the sport we watch and that can breed impatience but there's a point where that becomes irrational and destructive. Drew's 23 years old with plenty of physical talent. I don't see why you wouldn't want to work through that. We act like a year or two is some inordinate amount of time. Drew's stats. I'd be very interested to see where Drew Locke ranks and starts three through nine for completion of short, intermediate, and deep throws. It's one thing to measure completion percentage. It's another to have some relativity to the throws being attempted. It doesn't mean it still isn't a problem. It is. But it adds texture, and that's important. My bet is that Drew can be wildly successful if they focus significantly more on the short passing game. Fant, Alberto, Judy, Hamler, Gordon, and Lindsey have 
either already demonstrated or have natural ability to be yards after the catch monsters. Let's get them rolling. You can't go broke banking that cash, yo. <laughs> yeah, instead of uh, – we, we had a commenter yesterday saying, instead of you can't go broke making a profit, he's in the financial world. And he said that's absolutely not true. You definitely can. So uh, I don't understand very, that. <laughs> it, well, and he didn't either. And so uh, in a very long post, he said, why don't we just change it to – you can't go broke baking, banking that Casio. So that's what how that did, originally How did they say that you can go broke making a profit? Because something about how profit isn't actually realized money. And so you should be using the term realized money instead of profit. And people don't want to <laughs> say the long phrase of realized money. So instead it's banking that Casio. And I think that was the, the Sparknotes version. Uh, with all due respect, I'm going to keep saying you can't go broke making a profit. If one day I end up somehow going broke making a profit, that'll be on me. <laughs> LDJ chiming in. Great pod. I wish I could comment more, but it's hard to be optimistic by any means unless you see massive improvement from Drew these next four games. Are the Broncos Why buyer? four? It's yeah, a good question. Are the Broncos buyer or sellers? People are asking, what is there to buy? LOL. Can we sign Don Terry Poe as a replacement for Purcell? We have to no. let Cush and Reisner develop. Juwan James is going nowhere. We could sell Justin, but I mean, for what this team is super talented, but selling Justin doesn't get us our quarterback of the future. Like, I don't understand this conversation. And the fans said the Broncos should just be buyers because there isn't anything to sell really. Shake my head. You think no one wants AJ Johnson or Justin Simmons? Seriously? Yeah, our hopes and dreams rely on number three. I'm sorry. I just feel so hopeless because let's be honest. Even if Dak Prescott comes through the facility next year as our cue, how will you ever really know? Please, Drew, please. This team is so talented. You just have to be the next Alex Smith. We can win. Please, man, please. Okay, this is a weird thing that's going around right now. Why does everyone keep talking about the next four games? I realize it's a window for Drew uh, to get on the right track. But let me ask you this, Zach. If Drew Locke sucks for the next four games, but not bad enough to, you know, get benched, and then balls out the last six games of the season, like you're obviously riding with the last six games of the sample size. Yeah, you are. You're not moving on from him after he balled out for six straight games. So we got to stop this thing where we keep trying to shorten the window that Drew Locke has to succeed. He has 10 games, unless they somehow trade for Sam Darnold at the trade deadline, uh, which seems unlikely. Um, He's got 10 games, so that's, what he, that's when he has to show it. Now, it can't just be like the last two. Uh, I don't know if that would be enough to turn things. No. Although, again, you know, you're talking about a developing quarterback here. Just because the end of the season gets in the way of him bringing it all together, I don't know if that means it's time to bail. But if there were eight really bad games and two really good games at the end, you probably end up going with the larger sample size. Yes. But we just – we have to stop saying this like, Oh, it's, it all comes down to these next two games. It all comes down to these next four games. It all like once the game starts, it all comes down to the next drive in a lot of people's minds. He's got ten games now. He needs to have more good than bad in those ten games, uh, and uh, and and I think that's what it comes down to. I think we'll have a really good idea in the next four games, but it's certainly not the end of the road. No way. You got the next ten games. You're right. Next one from Broncoholic711. Hey, guys, got two quick questions for you. One, I'm of the belief that Vic is the right guy for head coach, but not convinced about Shermer as OC. And obviously think, man, Nito. 
So to the question, let's assume Drew Locke does not improve and we are moving in a different direction next year. What are the chances that uh, is done with another OC? Very, very, very slim. Yeah, I think it's very slim as well. I think if, if Vic is the head coach, then uh, uh, Pat Shermer's back. Yep. Uh, two, based on the – and that's another thing that has to be brought into the Drew Locke discussion. Like, it's not only just his eighth game. It's his third game last week in a new offense. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. Uh, two, based on the trade, trade deadline discussions yesterday, John Ross asked for a trade. How much do you think it would take to get him? A sixth maybe? For that, I think it would be worth it. However, the tougher part is who would he replace in our deep wide receiver course? Hamilton maybe? Thanks. I don't know. I'm not giving up a sixth. I'm giving a conditional seventh round pick. <laughs> maybe all they could get right now. Yeah, and, you know, you saw Everson Griffin get traded for a conditional sixth. Yeah. Crazy. And I thought to myself, every single team in the NFL should have done that deal. Yep, yep, definitely. It's crazy how some players get traded for nothing. It really is weird. I mean, once they're like – once it, everyone knows they're going to be traded, they get traded for nothing. Yep, yep. Last one here from the other Ryan. My boys, lost in the hubbub of another loss to the Chiefs is the fact that the Broncos' running game has made major strides in the past two games. Phil Lindsay was easily on his way to 150-plus rushing yards against Kansas City before leaving with an injury. Despite losing by nearly 30 points, the Broncos still rushed 33 times for 177 yards at a 5-point-yard, 4-yards-per-carry clip on Sunday. Had Lindsay remained healthy, the Broncos uh, not committed boneheaded turnovers and not surrendered both defensive and special teams touchdowns. Denver could have easily ran the ball 40 to 45 times against the Chiefs. The week prior against New England, the Broncos ran 37 times for 135 yards. While the number per carry was only 3.6 yards that game, the Broncos showed a commitment to the run. There's been much talk about the Broncos' offensive identity. Well, maybe it needs to be a team built on a blossoming running game that gets easy completions off of play action and measured and timely aggressiveness and taking deep shots. Your thoughts, DNVR, me salute. I, th I think that's absolutely what this team's offensive identity should be. Yeah, and I think what's very interesting is Drew and Vic were asked the same question yesterday, and they both had very different visions. Is that a big deal? At the end of the season, you could point back and say, yeah, that's why they, you know, no one was on the same track. Or it could just be, you know, Drew is just an aggressive guy and, and, and very confident. So he wants to say that this team is going to stay very aggressive on offense. That's what he said about the passing game. Uh, they, they want to keep their foot on the gas and be aggressive. And Vic said he wants it, the passing offense to be efficient. He says they've been turning the ball over too much and you can't have that. So it is interesting, the disconnect there. Uh, but again, I'm not saying that that's a, a bigger issue than it is, although some people could. If you want a conservative and efficient offense, you should try to get someone off of the Kyle Shanahan coaching. Oh, wait, you had that, and you fired them. Yep, you did have them. So there you go. A little Maybe too not conservative, conservative, but definitely too conservative efficient. for Vic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Figure out what you want, Vic. You're, uh, you're, what are you, 61 years old? You should know what you want at this point. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that's the last question we got there. So before we get out of here, a shout out to Green Mountain Dental Group, the best damn family-owned dentist group in the metro area. You know the drill. Schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam and receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. So you'll leave with pearly whites and you'll keep them pearly and white until the next time you go back to Green Mountain Dental Group. They'll send you a birthday card. They'll call to check in on you after you have a procedure. It's a true family-owned dentist group uh and they happen to be big colorado sports fans and they're just outside of downtown so the next time you need some work done head down to green mountain dental group that's gonna wrap it up for us today on the dnvr broncos podcast we will talk to you guys tomorrow